17, and we compare that, the description of prayer, okay? In John 17, we get this great picture of Jesus praying. He shows us in his hour of great need, I'm still going to depend on the Lord. I'm going to make sure people know that I and my Father will be glorified, that God's got this. And that even in the most difficult of times, we can seek him. And even in those times, we lift up and pray for one another. Jesus is showing that just by how he prays. And we, through the miraculous work of how God's scriptures came to us, we get to see him in prayer. And when you go back to Matthew chapter 6, earlier on in his ministry, the disciples ask the question, how do we pray? Because what had happened was prayer had become much what I remember it being as a pastor's kid when I was little. Now, what a pastor's kid means is that your dad is the pastor. And the city I grew up in in America wasn't large. It was large to me at the time. Uh, But we had elders, and they were elders in every sense of the word to a six-year-old. In other words, they were really, really old now, our, our three elders that we currently have and our two ex-officio elders, they're very young, so they're much different. But I remember our elders, I just thought, man, how are they still alive? <laughs> and I always can remember, because each, each week my dad would be preparing to preach, and at the offering, one of the elders would pray the prayer for the offering, what... Uh, uh, my, uh, the, the worship leader, I don't know what to call her this morning, my wife, um, what, what she did. And so the, the, the guy that would get up to pray the offering, there was one guy in particular, I'm not going to tell you his name, but I remember at one point he took such a long break in the middle of his epically long and really, really colorful prayer. And I this man loved Jesus. I don't question that at all. But to a six-year-old, this was the pits. Because I thought for sure in the middle of his prayer, he fell asleep. Now, I don't really think he did. I think he was enjoying something that it took me years later to understand. He was with God and nobody else around him mattered. But to a six-year-old, I'm like, um, I want lunch. And at the same time, I thought, I don't even know what half those words mean. How at six or seven am I supposed to pray? It's kind of how the disciples felt. Because when the Pharisees prayed, as you read in the the precursor to this, Jesus tells the disciples, don't go out and stand on the corner and say, oh God, thank you that I'm so much better at being holy than all these sinners. Oh God, I've done so many great things this week and I'm going to tell thee all about thou greatness and what I doest for thee. And we began and the disciples thought that's what prayer was supposed to be, big and fruity and full of nothing so that those around us saw how great we were. There was one problem with that. And I bet you can all guess it. You've been around me long enough to know what I believe our utmost responsibility is as a praying church. There was no glory of the Lord in their prayers. It was all about them. And the disciples wondered, oh, we got somebody, you ask him, you ask him. Peter, you ask him. 
Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus didn't go into verbose. He didn't go into loquacious. He didn't go into long. And right before he's about to hang on a cross, again, he shows us how to pray, how to pray. And he doesn't go into super confusing. He uses theologically deep and rich, necessary words for us to understand. Lord, I pray for the disciples that you would sanctify them, that you would set them apart, that you would protect them from the evil one. Lord, my prayer is that I would be glorified so that you might be glorified. Why did he pray that? Because Jesus understands that he's part of the Trinity and to glorify the Father, we pray through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we'll, I'll re- refresh that for you in a few moments. And then he goes on and what we didn't get to last week and where we pick up today as we review is Jesus also teaches us how to pray for one another. And while there's nothing wrong with praying for Aunt Mildred's toe, Jesus gets to the heart of how we pray for one another. Lord, protect them from the evil one. Lord, may they be one as you and I are one. May there be unity even though there's diversity. Because he's saying this this prayer, this gospel of me is going into all the world and people are going to look different, talk different, sound different, and think different. May they be one. And may the whole world see that salvation is found in me. And as Jesus teaches us to pray, this is, that's John 17. It's called the high priestly prayer. He reminds us of what prayer accomplishes when we do it. It brings us together. Now, if you weren't here last week, I want to remind you of a few things so you're with me. Um, And we did based on if you ever studied English and at some point you had a teacher get up and say, when you're writing, you need to answer the basic questions, who, what, where, when, why, and how. You remember that? You know, and, and those are also what adjectives help describe if you wanted to know. And so we started with the who, and that's what I told you just a few minutes ago. And, and I want you to understand that God knows who God is. So don't get caught up if you say the wrong address. If you accidentally pray to Jesus, that's just fine. Because how do we get to God the Father? Through Jesus the Son. God gave us an example. He said, our Father who is in heaven. So we, that's why we pray, dear Heavenly Father, today. But you know what? If you pray in the name of Jesus, God's going to get the message. He's still listening. So please don't ever feel pressured to get it exactly right according to this. Understand the heart is behind it, that we are crying out to Abba, to Daddy. And I wanted to explain that a little bit and as we understand the who when we get into prayer. Max Lucado wrote a book called Before Amen. And he say, and the whole premise of the very short book is simplifying prayer. And in it, he tells a story of his daughter getting up and performing at a piano recital. And she's worked very hard, as many of you in this room have had recitals of some sort. And she She's doing well. She starts great. Things are going smoothly. Then all of a sudden, she hits the wall. And if, if you're not a musician and you don't know what the wall is in music, it's where suddenly the music is gone. You know what you should remember, and it's just not 
coming back. It's just not moving from here. To her case, this. Uh, marathon runners, there's a great movie called Run, Fat Boy, Run. And they illustrate this principle very well. It's where in exercise, you get to that certain point and you don't think you can go any further. You've got to break through that wall. Well, for this little girl, she hit the wall. She could not remember anything of her music. And she would just hit the same note, trying to refresh her memory, trying to bring it back. And, and you know, mom and dad are just hurting and aching with her. And they're just trying to say, get it, it's the G. I, I don't know. Uh, but just get the right note. Come on, you can do it. And you know, everybody there is wanting her to succeed. And finally it comes back and she goes through it. And Max sneaks out of his seat and goes over and stands as she comes off the stage in the corner. And she just wraps her arms around and says, oh, daddy. And he just hugged her. No more words were needed. She needed to know her dad had her. When we go to the Lord in prayer, we go with that desperation of, oh, daddy. You know, the whole Bible teaches us that the Lord already knows what we need to pray. He already knows what we need. Doing it is just reminding us of our union with him and all the greatness that comes from it. And so when we say out, our Father who is in heaven, if that feels too formal for you, Paul says we have access to Abba, Daddy. Just like the little girl that needed the protection of her dad after she felt like a failure. How many of us say, I can't pray because I'm a failure? Well, that's why we pray through the Son. Because as the verse I quote so often, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. What that means is we go to God clean. We don't feel qualified or not, but through Jesus Christ. But I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know how. And we're going to get to the how today. And it's, I hope it just changes your life and changes your prayer life. But right now, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is praying with us, that Jesus himself is mediating. He's going to the Father on our behalf, and that God the Father is not just up there waiting for us to pray. He's leaning down. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he leaned down, he inclined, he heard my cry, and he lifted me up. Oh, Daddy, help. The who is God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God in three persons, as the hymn says, blessed Trinity. Well then, the what, what do we pray about? Well, as old traditional hymns teach us, take it to the Lord in prayer. What? Take everything to him in prayer. And Jesus, Jeremiah says, he's given the word and he's wrestling with some stuff and he's wrestling with what to do. And God reminds Jeremiah, Ask me, and I could show you stuff you couldn't even imagine. And he's referring to the fact that the Messiah is coming in that passage. And in Romans 8, in the same way, just what I was talking about, the Holy Spirit helps us pray. How cool is that? Again, with the Father and the Trinitarian example, we pray with the help of another. You know, sometimes kids think they're really good at riding a bike and forget that somebody's holding the back of the seat 
until they get it. The thing is, we never get it completely, so the Holy Spirit always helps us in our moments of weakness. And he himself is interceding for us through wordless groans. He knows how to communicate and he knows our needs. The righteous cry out, the Lord hears him and hears from all their troubles. And then finally, confess your sins to another and pray that you might be healed. We can bring everything to the Lord in prayer. And then we also talk about it together. Not so that we air dirty laundry and gossip. There is no place for that in the church. Gossip does not build up, therefore it's not useful. There's your side note. I'll move on now. But what do we pray about? Everything. Everything, everything, everything. This one everybody knows the answer to. When do we pray? Always. But Mike, I got a job. Yeah? What if... How you lived out your day was just that common or constant, not common, because it's highly uncommon that we just, we remember the simple prayers of, Lord, you're with me, or the Lord is my shepherd. Just in moments, you're about to walk into a meeting, your boss calls you in and you don't know what's going on, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, or I lift up my eyes to the Lord, where does my help come from? Him, him, him. Or what if something really great happened? Somebody remembered your birthday and bring you a cake. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you that I get to do life with people that are just as messy as me, both before and after you've eaten the cake. When? All the time. About everything. Do not be anxious in everything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, thank you, Lord, that you got all this. Thank you that I can give you all this. Present your request to God, because he them. And that is so essential. Well, where do we pray? I didn't list verses. You could go back to Joshua. Uh, I meditate on the law day and night. Well, if we're going to meditate and if we're going to pray all the time, that means we're praying everywhere, doesn't it? That's because if we're only praying in certain locations, we can't be praying all the time. It's common sense. We pray anywhere and everywhere. Now, I, I do have a recommendation for you. And the best example I can give of this simple concept is Pokemon Go. So bear with me. I know I've used it, and I'm, this is the last time. But I have been run into numerous times because of that stupid game. I'm only on level three, so I call it stupid. It's my privilege. My, my family is doing much better. Uh, and that's for a different day. But here's the deal. When we pray, sometimes we feel like we should close our eyes. If you are driving, if you are walking through the streets or crossing a street, please keep your eyes open in prayer. Would you do that for me? Keep talking to the Lord. Pray for the taxi driver that just cut you off or the guy that won't let you cross in the crosswalk even though your foot was there and he should honor the zebra stripes. Pray for them, but keep your eyes open. it, It makes sense. But we pray all the time and everywhere. And we get exalted and the Lord will bring to us what we need to pray about and when. That's the amazing thing. The more we depend on him, the more kingdom-minded we become and our prayers just become natural. Lord, you got this. I'm going to trust you with this. And why do we pray? This is the one we talked about last week the most. Because worship and prayer are interlinked. You want to worship the Lord well? Pray with him. Open the Psalms and pray them out. And, and what does 
Jesus teaches in the end of his earthly ministry, he worships God the Father and seeks his, his own glory. Jesus can do that not because he's a hedonist, but because he knows if people understand that he is the Messiah and glorify him, they gain access to the Father, which is the very reason he came. He's not being selfish. In fact, he's the exact opposite. He's inviting us into a relationship with the great and mighty God. And he's saying, come to me, bring glory to me, and I'll give it all to the Father so that he could be glorified. And then he says, our Father in heaven, back in Matthew 6, hallowed be your name. And what did the Israelites learn to pray? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And with all your strength, and Jesus adds, with all your mind. So in all of these things, we understand that prayer is about God, first and foremost. And then he invites us in to enjoy him and to trust him. And I know it sounds simple, and it sounds very American because it's how I talk. He invites us to hang out with him. Sometimes we rush through prayer. You know, you sit around the dinner table and you know you should bless the food. Dear Heavenly Father, please bless this food and thank you for this day. Amen. Or the, the favorite, when I was asked to pray again as a kid, I was a very holy kid. God's meat, let's eat. You know, that's not quite what it means. But to just enjoy. What if when you sit around a table and you think, hey, I haven't gotten to be around with my family all day or all week. Lord, thank you that we get this one meal together that you've provided. Amen. See the difference between that and God's neat, let's eat? There's sincerity, there's authenticity, there's honesty. And that's what Jesus is even showing us in John 17. Lord, I pray for them. They need your help. They need your protection. C.S. Lewis reminds us that we believe that we were created to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And if the few, very few minutes we now spend on intercourse, on communication with God, are a burden rather than a delight, what gives? What's he mean? Prayer is a high and holy privilege. Prayer is a joy to undertake when we understand where it starts, when it starts with God. And we say, oh God, you're so good. You're so great. It does something. And that's where we pick up today. You see, when we understand who we're talking to and the joy of prayer with him, not at him, sometimes we pray at God, don't we? God! How dare you let this happen? Sorry about that. My mic's pretty good today. God, how rude that you would allow this to happen. God, it's not fair. You know, we, we say all sorts of those things. But when we start with God, you are great. And I will marvel in your greatness for the rest of my life. It shifts our focus. Jesus prayed that. L listen to what he says. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And in the Lord's Prayer, 
He says, your kingdom come, your will be done as earth as it is in heaven. What's he saying in both of these? Well, he's lifting up a bigger perspective than just the small thing that's right in front of us. He's got eternity in mind. Does that make sense? He's thinking what we call in the business world big picture, right? He's looking at the whole story and saying, God, do yours, do your thing, and I'm with you. And he's inviting us to trust, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done here as it already is in heaven. I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm praying that you've got this and and, and that you're going to do it the best way possible and that you get this one. You know better than me. About six years ago, uh, I I had moved into the, the home I now live in and it had an extra parking space at the time. And a friend needed an extra parking space for a very certain type of car. And that certain type of car was a very, very fast sports car. That since it was parked in my place, and since the man traveled frequently, the keys stayed with me, and that became the car whenever I needed it, was the agreement we had. I needed it a lot. <laughs> and I drove that car. Yeah, it, I joked with him because it was very small. I fit in it so much better than he did. I looked better in it. It was just, it was great. And so our previous pastor, Pastor Mark, came into the office one day and he saw that car sitting right out here. And I said, you want to go for a ride? And he's like, yeah. And so we went for a road and I drove him and I drove as quickly as the law would allow uh, wherever I could and got to that speed as fast as I could and just enjoyed it immensely. But I have a certain style of driving, and in that car, I didn't know the car. It's not my car. And then later on, Pastor Mark got the chance to ride with the owner of the car, who is, in my opinion, the best driver I've ever ridden with. He's insane in all the right ways, but you never feel like he's out of control. You ride with me, and you're wondering if you're going to live. I'm under control. I know what's going on with the car. You don't. And that's fun for me, not for my wife. But when he got in the car with my friend, he got out and he said, Mike, I mean, no disrespect, but you're okay, but that man is great. It's his craft, and he knows how to drive it. In the same way, we keep trying to drive ourselves as best we can, and we might do okay at times. But when we start by saying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, you are great and you've got this. We're saying, you're in control. You're the one driving. And you know what? Not only are you the owner of the car, you made the thing. And you know every ounce of the power it has. And when you are trusted with the controls the vehicle itself will unleash power that it's never known was possible. And that's us. How many of us wish there was something more to life, but yet don't know how to experience prayer? I know I like to give car examples. I'll try to not do it again for a few weeks. But as the old stupid country song said, Lord, take the wheel, there's some truth to that. He's not our co-pilot. He's not our just helper. He's the one that we can trust 
to guide us exactly where we need to go in every and all situations. And he says, bring it all to me. I can handle it. Well, then the question becomes, how do we pray? Jesus gives us a reproducible model. He didn't didn't give us some big doctrinal understanding and lecture on what prayer is, kind of what I did last week in the who, why, when, where, and how. He just showed the disciples. He said, just do this. Use your own words. He didn't even say use your own words. That was inferred. But just pray, man. Pray simply and honestly as we'll get to. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's unseen. You're not giving a performance. Even if you're praying together, you're not giving a performance. It's it's you and God through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, wherever you are. Even if people are around, it's you and God. That's what that elder that I thought was falling asleep, he understood that I didn't. He knew that he was talking to the Most High God and he had access and he was enjoying it. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Did you know prayer is beneficial to your very life? We forget that. We want our needs. God, give me, give me, give me. But Jesus is reminding us that, hey, prayer changes things. And our Father who sees how you pray in secret will reward you. Don't keep babbling like the pagans. We've talked about that. Uh, that's, they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like that. Your Father knows what you need even before you ask. So then, this is how you should pray. Jesus gave the disciples a simple model they could use in any situation at any time. A.W. Tozer says it like this, and I like Tozer a lot. He says, prayer will increase in power and reality when, as we repudiate all pretense. We get rid of all the fake, okay? As we get rid of all the fake things and learn to be truly and utterly honest before God as well as men. God, I'm not feeling very holy today. But you already know that. God, I had a great day. I knocked it out of the park. Thanks for giving me the ability. When we can be simple and honest before the Lord, we begin to understand the heart of prayer. This is not a confusing prayer, is it? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, be glorified today. Thank you that you are great. You're in control. You've got this. And Lord, help. I need your help. Give us today our daily bread. And God, forgive me, heal me because of my sin, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, help, help, help. You see, when we think about it, it's not that hard. He's saying, I'm here, I'm ready to listen, and I've given a model you can use in any time. So what I want to do today is something different. As you study prayer, one of the things you'll realize is that it's intentional. Prayer doesn't just happen because we hope we're going to be more prayerful, does it? It doesn't quite work that way. 
we have to get to the business of praying. I told you that I've been uh, study, reading new, uh, a new biography to me of Hudson Taylor. And in it, he said, I can't help but pray because I feel like I can do nothing else as I know there are so many millions of Chinese without the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. All I can do is pray. And what Hudson really understood was that the best and most important thing he could do was pray. Until the Lord could get him to China, he would pray. When the Lord got him to China, he did pray all the time in every situation. And as you read Hudson Taylor's prayers, they're pretty simple. He was a simple man. So what do we do? Well, in that book I was talking about, the Max Lucado book, just in case the Lord's Prayer got too complicated, he tried to simplify it a little bit for us, and I think it helps. So if you flip over your notes to the back section, you're going to see a blank slate. That's on purpose. And I want you to, to look at, this is an adapted version of what Max Lucado calls the pocket prayer of Jesus, or the pocket Lord's Prayer. And this is, this is how to start. This isn't where we stop prayer, but it gives you a perspective to start from. Father, you're great. Now, when you start that way, hallowed be your name, God, you're great, worthy, honor, awesome is your great name. Why not fill in the blank with how he is great? You are great because... You know, see how easy it becomes to get into that attitude of prayer when we start thinking about we go to him first. Lord, you're great because you brought us together. Look at all these people. This is amazing. You're great because you are the creator of heavens and earth. You did this. You gave, you just, you know, it just starts flowing once you get into that posture. And then we get to the next part. Do your will, Lord, is how Jesus says it. What if we said, you're in control, Lord. You've got this. There's two parts to that. It's as is the actual Lord's prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. There's an act of dependence on God. Lord, we need you. And also of submission of God, we trust you. You're in control, Lord. You've got this. I will trust you. I need help. Heal me and forgive me. Lord, the people around us need help. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. There's a whole world full of sinful people like you and me. Help. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Are we a thankful people? Do we thank God for the chance we have to be refined by him? That's how... Jesus taught us, that's what Paul says over and over again. Present your request to God with thanksgiving. And God will guard our hearts and minds. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. You don't have to say this little prayer. This is man's attempt that has been really effective for me as I've been working with it. Now I add to it and I go back to the scriptures themselves, and I add, you know, this week I've been spending a lot of time with Psalm 40 and Psalm 73, so I write little parts in there too. But why you've got this blank sheet of paper is I want to give us a few minutes today to pray. But I know what could happen is if I don't give some clear, uh, some clear instructions, it might be easy for us to get distracted or wonder what else is doing or how long should we do it or what does this. So, what I'd like you to do is if you have a pen, 
Would you pull it out? Or pen or writing implement of some sort. Would you pull it out? Now, you don't have to do this. Nobody is going to force you to do this. If you do not have a writing implement, would you raise your hand? We have two lovely men in the back that would love to give you a pen. You can even keep it when you're done. So if you need a pen, raise your hand and we will give you one. But what I'd like to do then is for a few minutes, I would like to invite you to do something that I've been working hard to do more of this year. Write out our prayers. You know what happens when we write out our prayers? It's harder for us to be distracted by all that's going on around us because we're thinking about what we're writing. And it uses two different parts of your brain at the same time. I don't know what they're called. I can't remember from when I studied this years ago. But it it draws us in and engages us in a different way. Nobody's grading your whichever language you want to write in. Feel free to write in any language the Lord gives you. Because I do not speak Chinese, but the Lord knows what you're praying as you pray. So what if I said, to be a praying church, we're going to pray, and we took time right now to pray. We know the who, we know the what, we know the when, we know the where, we know the why. The how is really simple. Just do it. I'm going to put some music on, and I invite you to just pray the Lord's Prayer. Maybe that's all you write. That's fine. Maybe you give him a concern. Lord, help me with. Great. Lord, forgive me for. Be specific. Nobody will see these. These are between you and God. He can carry all your burdens. But give it to the Lord in prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to be a church that prays together. So we trust in you. And as we pray right now, Lord, revive and strengthen our hearts that we might know that we are your people all the time. So spend a few moments. I won't talk anymore. that was not even quite five minutes. I chose that version of the Lord's Prayer because one of the things we realize is it's joyful to go to the Lord in prayer. In any situation, it's a privilege. Now, that doesn't mean we're always feeling joyful at the moment, but we know we can leave it before Him. My hope is that I didn't give you enough time. That's the point. My hope is that all I did was whet your appetite because there's two applications today. One, don't just either practice writing out a prayer, which I believe is a great discipline for us. And maybe you'd never done that before. Try it. Keep trying it. Go to Popular. Buy the cheapest notebook you can, or if you like me, you like the really fancy ones, and just start writing. Lord, you are so great. You're in control. You've got this. I need your help. Heal me and forgive me. Your people, your world needs help. Please help. Thank you for all you've done. But the second thing is, AIC is called to be a church that glorifies God by loving Christ, loving one another, and reaching the world. In one area is, is in my quiet times, the Lord has revealed to me 
that we have to absolutely improve on. Yes, we can do programs better. Yes, we can offer this. We can do that. Yes, we can do more. We can be this. We can be that. But a church has to be about a people that pray. And I'm not convinced we're there yet. Now, we're never fully there. And this isn't a criticism. This is an invitation. And as I was praying this morning about a number, I just kept saying, Lord, we need to mobilize people to pray. And I want to ask you as your pastor to commit to something. I know that's very not 2010s of us to commit to things, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm looking for a hundred people to commit to praying with me for the next three months because I am fully aware just on the summer that the leadership of AIC has had in the attacks that have come across the board that Satan does not want us to be faithful. We already know that. That's no secret. But we must be obeying the Lord because Satan is increasing the attack. This is real. You want to know details? Well, some you can know and some you can't, but it drives us to our knees when we realize we need the Lord. And so I am asking for more than 100, but 100 would be awesome. People to commit to praying daily with me that God's will be done for AIC. So what do we pray? Well, each week I'll give you a different prayer point. I'm not going to write you every day and tell you what to pray, but each week a different thing according to God's word that we, the church family, need to pray. For instance, Lord, teach us to worship. May we be a church that understands worship. When was the last time in your own personal devotions you felt the presence of the Lord with you? It's not that the Lord isn't there. It's often that we're too distracted to slow down and experience his glory. We pray for that. Lord, teach us to worship. Lord, teach us to be light in this dark world. You realize we live in a community that is coming to us. That MTR that's opening sometime, someday, is bringing us a whole new group of people. And all we have to do is walk outside and say, hey, you want to come to church? Even better, you want to talk about Jesus? But we pray, and we pray for one another. The needs among our people are so great, I don't know them all. That's why we need prayer, because the Lord does. So what I am asking is for a hundred of you to fill out any sheet in your bulletin. If you need a bulletin, there's more in the back. And put that, there's a white box in the corner on your way, or just hand it to me. I will stand right here at the end of the service with your name and your email address on it. And say, I'm with you. I'm going to pray for the next 90 days that God changes everything. But I'm not going to expect Mike and I'm not going to expect myself to do it on my own. We're going to depend solely on the Lord to provide, to help us meet budget. We're going to pray about money because Jesus says we can. We're going to pray about people. We're going to pray about conflict and difficulties and joys and all of that. And we're going to do it together. You with me? So if you're in and you don't have to, not holding... This is a mandate, but I am begging God to give us 100 people that are committed to 90 days of praying daily for AIC, that we would be a church that glorifies God by loving Christ, loving one another, and reaching the world. If you're one of those, Doug's standing right next to the white box in the back. Doug, would you wave your hand? You can stick it in there, or you can hand it to Doug. He prays. Give it to me. 
And we each week will communicate with you just an encouragement of what we're asking you to pray for. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you taught us to pray. That we don't need fancy formulas. That we have your word that says, come to you. Even if we're tired and we're weary, come to you. When we're rejoicing and we're celebrating, we come to you. God, teach us to be people of prayer in all seasons. Thank you for each one that's with us today, that we can pray together. My heart is joyful of seeing us pray just for these last few moments. May that be our posture day in and day out. Amen.